You're listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. And right now we're going to move into a time of uh, reading scripture. And so if you guys could stand with me for the reading of God's word. We stand so that uh, just to show respect to God's word. And at the end, I, after I'm done reading, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And I'm going to invite you guys to respond with thanks be to God. I'm reading out of Luke 1, um, verses 35 through 38. This is what the Bible says. The angel replied to her, speaking about Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will, nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. Then the angel left. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Um, all right, so good morning again. Uh, if you didn't hear me the first time, if uh, we haven't met, my name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here. And I look forward to, to continuing our series on Advent with today's message, uh, which we're titling As We Wait with Certainty. So in this season, uh, Christmas just kind of seems to infiltrate everything around us, uh, our homes, our clothes, um, our coffee, uh, and, and of course, music, right? So uh, in my house, we love Christmas music. Uh, sometimes it starts as early as the late summer, depending on which child you're talking to. Um, it's, there, there's a lot of it there. Um, and so we, we love a whole lot of Christmas music from, from the vocal talents of Mariah Carey to the chipmunks and everything in between. Um, but one song that means a lot to me personally is called uh, Mary Did You Know? Um, Show of hands, is anybody familiar with that? Because that's totally going to determine how much I say after this. Okay, great. So we have some familiarity. So uh, the song's been around for about 30 years or so. Uh, but at some point in the last five to 10 years, um, I don't know if you've run into this, but it's something I've run into. It's come under a little bit of criticism. And um, basically, this song was written, uh, the author was a man named Mark Lowry. And he was quoted in an interview one time of saying, you know, if I could have a cup of coffee with Mary that song is just kind of some of the questions I'd want to ask her. Like, what was it like? What did, what did you know? What did you not know um, about what it was going to be like to, to be the person who carries Jesus? And um, so that seems like a pretty harmless sentiment uh, to me. But in the latter part of my seminary journey, I started seeing it become fashionable in some circles around me for some guys I would, I would take classes with. Uh, and, you know, around Christmas, I'd be like, oh, I love Mary, did you know? And then they had come down with a case of the well actuallys, um, which is to say, well, you know, well, actually, um, she did know. So you're a bad Christian for liking that song. They didn't say that, but that was definitely the vibe I got from, you know, just trying to worship during Christmas. So, you know, it was hard. Um, and the, the proof that they used for that argument um, is part of the scripture that we're going to be going through today. And uh, I'm not convinced that they were ever correct. And uh, before I tell you why, I would like to tell you another story uh, before we actually get into that. So 
In February of 2013, uh, my wife and I were living in a single wide trailer in rural North Carolina. Uh, we were one pickup a truck away from being a country song. And um, I was in my second semester of seminary and we had already announced to our extended family that we had chosen to grow our family through adoption. Um, we had been through a lot of the paperwork and we had come to the point where not unlike this Advent season of the year, we were waiting. Uh, we were waiting in anticipation of a child. Uh, but for us, it was to be matched with a child from, from our adoption agency. Um, so in February, we receive a file and lo and behold, uh, the file was um, my daughter, Rosemary, who would be our, our first child in our, in our family. Um, my wife and I, we reviewed the file together, we, we prayed over it, and we made our decision together to accept her referral from the agency. Now, we already knew that God had led us to this point, and we were certain that he led us to say yes to adopting her specifically. Um, but what we didn't know at the moment was how we were going to get through every step of the process from there. Uh, we didn't know what it was going to be like dealing with another country's uh, court system. Uh, and I didn't know all the variety of experiences that comes with being a parent that point. Um, but knowing that we were being obedient to the Lord's leading was enough for us to say yes. So back to Mary. Did Mary know some of what was to come for her? Yes, she did. She did know some things, absolutely. Uh, and we'll talk about that today. Did she know everything that was to come? Absolutely not. Um, but that's not the point. The point, and what is important is that what she did know was enough for her to move forward in her obedience to God. And so with that, I'd like to share with you our big idea for today's message, and that is we can have certainty because God is true. So before we revisit the text itself today, let's talk about that word certainty for a second. Just to paint a broader picture, certainty is described in the following ways. Uh, one, the, uh, it's a firm conviction that something is the case. Uh, it is a fact that is definitely true or an event that is definitely going to take place, uh, or it is an epistemic property of beliefs which a person has no rational grounds for doubting. There's an assurance in that term, a, a confidence. So before we even get to Mary, we can even look at Luke himself, the author of the Gospel of Luke, to be redundant. For the past two weeks, we've been in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, an account written by a Jewish disciple of Jesus, written primarily to a Jewish audience. Well, today we're reading out of the Gospel of Luke, who we know was a physician and a Gentile, or non-Jewish, um, also writing to a Gentile audience. So from the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, he states the purpose of writing to his recipient, Theophilus, in Luke 1, 1 through 4. And Luke says this. He says, Many have undertaken to compile a narrative about the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as the original eyewitnesses and servants of the word handed them down to us. So it also seemed good to me, since I have carefully investigated everything from the first, from the very first, to write to you in an orderly sequence, most honorable Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things about which you have been instructed. The entire purpose of this gospel is to give its readers certainty about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Luke goes on to great order and great detail to make his case for the cause of Christianity in his writings so that we can be assured of the validity of where we can place our faith. 
Mary was a great example of this certainty and will examine, as we'll examine today, because we see that her certainty was rooted not just in trusting the message she was given, but who the sender of the message is. So let's take a look at Mary's response to her big news in verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. An angel, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I've not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your, consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. And the angel left her. Mary demonstrates a selfless response in her acceptance of the message given to her by Gabriel because she knows She's not at the center of what's going on, but instead is being called to participate in God's mission. Mary's demonstration here shows us our first observation today, which is that certainty is not about us. So as it turns out, Mary was not the only person confronted by an angel about a miracle pregnancy at this time. While Mary and her betrothed husband, Joseph, are practically at the beginning of their lives, there is also her relative, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, who was a priest. Mary and Joseph are just getting started in life, and Elizabeth and Zachariah are farther along in their years. So, not only does Mary receive a word from an angel, but Zachariah does as well. So, I'm gonna rewind a little bit before Gabriel visits Mary. He visits Zachariah, and um, starting in chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth." For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children 
and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you you and to tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. So when confronted with the good news of the miracles of God, Zechariah did not believe. He was too caught up in what would prevent the miracle from happening. Some translations word the phrase, how can I know this, as how can I be certain? Or how can I be sure? How can this happen, basically? How can it happen at all? Zechariah was looking inward and looking at himself and convinced that it was impossible. And can we pause for a second just to consider the magnitude of Zechariah's unbelief for a second? Zechariah is a priest, okay? It's his job to go into the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense, which which is a ritual representing the prayers of the people rising up to God as, you know, the incense burns upward, you know, into the sky. And Zechariah is old, so he's been lifting up the prayers of the people for many years. So an angel shows up and Zechariah freaks out. He's performing a sacrament in the church that carries with it an understanding that prayers are being made to God. And an angel appears and says, good news, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. Your prayers, Zechariah, have been heard. And so Zechariah goes from performing a repetitive ritual in his worship time, he's going through the motions in worship, to actually finding God, meeting him where he is through the angel. And Zechariah still finds more faith in his excuses. When you come to church to worship, to pray, when you go to your missional group to study God's word, to share share a life with one another, When God shows up, do you believe it? Do I? And if God does meet you where you are, do you trust him? Or are your excuses stronger? Something to think about. But it's important to draw this distinction because at face value, if you just read the text kind of as it is, depending on what translation you're reading, it sounds like Zachariah and Mary's responses are very similar, but they have very different outcomes, right? Um, But they're not. Zachariah exhibits a skepticism that God's work can happen at all. While Mary believes, but openly admits that she just doesn't understand. Zechariah's how can I know this is more of a how can I believe this or how can I trust this? And Mary's is more of a how does this work? I don't understand the details here, but nevertheless, I submit to your way, Lord. Mary knew that her certainty was not resting on herself, which takes us to our next observation today, that our certainty is in God. So at the end of this interaction that Mary has with Gabriel, Mary is resolved to trust God. And yet she has plenty to be uncertain about if she were to lean on her own understanding. How is this pregnancy going to impact her engagement to Joseph? What would this mean for her reputation? To play off of the song that we talked about at the beginning, there was plenty that Mary didn't know. She wasn't a priest from a royal line like Zachariah. She, she lived in Nazareth, which is not exactly a prominent area. I mean, Jesus caught shade from his own disciples for being from Nazareth. Um, 
it did not have the highest reputation of affluence or influence in the world, okay? So Mary was a humble and lowly young woman who was understandably confused when Gabriel greets her with the proclamation that Mary is a favored woman and that God is with her. But by the end of her interaction with Gabriel, Mary is still again resolved to being faithful to God's call. Again, in verse 38, see, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. So even though she doesn't understand why she's been chosen by God, knowing that God chose her is enough to believe. Even though she doesn't know how all this is going to work in detail, knowing that God is with her is enough for her to believe. And yes, there could be plenty of risks involved and reasons why things could fall apart if Mary had put her faith in herself to handle this, but she showed her worthiness of being called favored in the eyes of God by the way that she trusts him with her life and commits herself as the Lord's servant to carry and shepherd the most important life to enter earth in history. Pastor and author Tabidi Anyabwile in his commentary on Luke says this, He says, what must have Mary thought about the Lord's plan? The only way a person can genuinely say what Mary says is to believe that God's plan is better than our plans for ourselves. When Mary responds in faith, she faces the potential of public shame. She faces the prospect of a divorce or a broken betrothal and never marrying. She would likely wear the scarlet letter of her day and be forced from her home and family. She would be destitute. Though she faced all of this, Mary spoke in faith. She concluded, whatever your will is for me, let it be. Like Mary, we can't truly be servants of Christ unless we accept his plan for our lives. He cannot be our Lord if we insist on ruling ourselves. If he is Lord, then we are servants, glad servants of God. This is how faith replies to grace. We may not need to know why in a lot of cases, but one why that we should know is why can we trust God? And that is our third observation today. We can have certainty because God is true. God is true or else he wouldn't be worth believing in. Faith is important, but it's only as important as what you place your faith in. We can believe God for who he is, for who he says he is. We can place our faith in him because God is true. God being true frees us up to worship him. When Mary believed, she took a visit to go see her relative Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife. Upon Mary's greeting, without even getting to tell her side of the story first, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and is the first person to confess the lordship of Jesus Christ and her blessing to Mary. Technically, the first confession of Christ comes from Elizabeth, not Peter, even if Jesus had yet to be born. And while we're on the subject of premature proclamations of Jesus, for those out there who think it's a crime to listen to Christmas music before December starts, just know that Mary sang a song, a Christmas song, several months before Christmas. So uh, if Jesus' mom says it's okay, then I'm okay with it too. Um, But don't worry. Uh, There's there's hope for us all yet. Okay. Uh, In all seriousness, though, back to to things. Let's, Let's take a look at Mary's response of worship to God in verse 46, which our worship team um, shared in part with us this morning in the call to worship so, so well. Uh, And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord 
And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Because God is true, Mary is free and able to respond in worship to God, and she could be certain of her claims. If God is true, and he is, then we can take him at his word too. So that means when Jesus says things like, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we read that, we can trust it to be true. When God tells us that he loves the world so much that if we believe in Jesus, we could gain eternal life, we can trust that to be true. We can have certainty of our eternal life because God is true. Just like Mary said in her song, his mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. We ourselves in this moment in this room are a generation as well. And God's mercy is available to us because God is true. You can trust God with the things that you don't fully understand. You can trust God with any uncertainties with your job. You can trust God with paying the rent or the mortgage. You can trust God with your relationships or with parenting your children. You can trust God with confusing theological things. You can trust God with what you don't yet know because he is true. Even if things don't always make sense. You know, um, I have to wonder, there, there's things that scripture doesn't always address directly, you know? Um, but we know that Mary was told that her child was going to reign forever with an unending kingdom and that nothing was impossible with God. And we know that Mary was present at the cross. I won't go too far into discussing it here. Uh, I think that would be a little irresponsible of me as a pastor, but I do wanna say I wonder what she was thinking in that moment. Knowing what the promise was and then seeing her son's death play out right in front of her. Um, all I know is that when things may not make sense, even in the light of what God has promised us, that the promise has not failed. God still remains true. And Mary, she shows us early on, even when she didn't understand, that she was still certain. I wonder if standing there with the things looking like they were falling apart, if she was reminded that nothing is impossible with God like she'd been told in the beginning. We know by Jesus' resurrection that this promise was indeed true. We can wait with certainty 
if we take God at his word. So let me ask you a question today as we wrap things up. Where in your life do you need to take God at his word where you're currently not? After the service today, we're gonna celebrate with a baptism, which we're all very excited about, uh, because someone has chosen to take God at his word and trust him to forgive them of their sins and is embracing eternal life today. Maybe you're someone who's wrestling with trusting God in that way too. And you're still thinking about that. Maybe you need to talk to somebody through that. Um, I just want you to know that we're here to listen and be here for you and help you understand what that might mean to trust God at his word. Or maybe, maybe you've been coming here for a while and uh, you're thinking about wanting to do more, be more involved, but uh, there's some doubt lingering there for, for whatever reason and, and you're just not sure. Uh, if you've been coming to Story City and, and you're not part of a group or a team, uh, I'd, I'd love to invite you to pursue that. We grow to love God and one another well when we pursue him together. And our groups and our teams are both great places to do that. You can take God at his word that he intends for us not to be alone in this life, but together. After I'm done here, we're gonna move into a time of communion. And if there was ever a time to take God at his word, it's at this time of remembrance. Communion is an act to be observed by people here today who have already placed their faith in Jesus and are taking this time to remember what he's done for us. So if you are partaking today, please be reminded of this. When Jesus said the cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for us, he's making a new promise to us, a promise of forgiveness, a mercy of mercy that, like Mary said, goes from generation to generation of eternal life that we can be certain of if we'd only put our faith in him. Trust God to be true. You don't have to wait to understand everything first. You can trust him now. I'm certain of it. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful of your promises. I'm so, so thankful, Lord, that we have these examples to look to in your word of your faithfulness and your, your ability, God, to be trusted even if we can't always understand what's going on. Lord, we're weak. We're willing, but we're weak. And, and we don't always trust you like we should. So God, I pray that you would be gracious to us that you would work in all of our lives in the areas where we want to be closer to you, but we can't seem to get it done. That you would work through us, that you would remind us that you're trustworthy, that you're true. And then when things look hard and we can't explain those things away to make ourselves feel better, that we shouldn't be looking to those things in the first place. We should be looking to you. Remind me of that, God, when I question things, when I don't understand, and help the same for my brothers and sisters as we take time to remember today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at storycitygh or online at storycitychurch.com. Go and be the church.